chokers Who them boys that be having it crunk every occasion This side niggas dust and that side niggas lacing But in the middle we stay calm, we just drop bombs Asking where we come from, South Coast Long Just two dope boys in a Cadillac Hey, hey, hey. It's Rambles and Rants with Eric Grady. Uh, I got my typical host with me, uh, Johnny O. Axelson. How are you doing, sir? Good. For a second there, I thought you said difficult host. I'm like, yeah, I know I, <laughs> I can be difficult. So either way it works, typical or difficult. Yeah, just difficult with our audio today. Uh, yeah. The, the Wi Fi and Chan Hassan's not uh, cooperating, but um, I, think we're, I think we're good to go now. So we got a good show for you planned today. Today it is on the topic of control and the different uh, elements and varieties that are out there. Um, this one, we kind of threw out a bunch of different ideas and I thought this one was intriguing because it touches on so many different aspects um, of our life and also ones that have really come into play for us um, recently in uh, kind of a big way. Um, in Johnny's case, uh, those of you who listen to the um, my other show, the Minnesota Sports Variety Show, uh, know that uh, Johnny O had a had an incident, um, and we can get into that that later. But uh, I don't know. Just starting off on on our list here, Johnny O. Um, I guess the first thing that I thought of when I thought of control is like control in relationships, right? I mean, that's kind of the thing that people complain a lot about in um, relationships is that other oh, people are controlling me. I can't do what I want. You know, I'm trying to record a podcast and my wife is walking around the room. Is that a subtle way of control or like asserting dominance? You know, um, I don't know what kind of, kind of control have you experienced in relationships? Yeah, for me, it's about, um, I don't, I think it's kind of really about like attachment, you know? And so like, um, I, I, when I'm in relationships, I kind of lose a sense of like freedom and like, I feel like I, I have troubles kind of blending us, you know, and kind of losing my identity, losing that control, losing that autonomy that I've built up over the years. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hard to let go of that. It's hard to let go of that control and just kind of let things happen and realize that, you know, relationships are, are <laughs> sometimes like a Venn diagram of like what you want versus what the other person wants and trying to find, that compromise where, you know, you're getting some of what you want, but you're also giving to what the other person wants and, and trying to find that common ground. And, you know, whether it's planning things, whether it's, um, um, I don't know, I guess that's the main thing I'm thinking of, like planning activities uh, or getting what you want, as it were, like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to find that balance, I guess, is what I'm, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, and I know that oftentimes in relationships, like men can be very controlling of women, especially kind of uh, real macho men. There's a trend on TikTok where it's kind of, it's almost getting back into that like kind of slut shaming type of thing where it's controlling what people can wear, or like kind of what makeup they wear. And um, I think more that stuff's pretty obvious, but the more subtle stuff is like how you're spending your time, um, maybe what you can and can't be upset about or um, kind of more of like an emotional control is the is what can be a little bit more subtle and I know that like gaslighting was a big um, trend over this past year or so and so kind of people are looking more into that kind of em emotional manipulation I mean some of it's really obvious but some of it is more 
is more subtle. And I think that um, just being, you know, self-aware, but then also kind of letting people know when, what their true intentions are is, is important. Like you said, communication is, is super key, but um, I don't know. I, I, like I've noticed a lot of control in like families. There's a lot of tight knit families. I'm watching a, um, a show right now that's on the, the, Rom, the uh, Romani um, travelers and uh, they, you know, they're very controlling of everybody in the family, what they can and can't do and, you know, what their job's going to be, what spouse they're going to marry. And that, that's one, well, that's one polar extreme, but then there's also kind of the controlling of a parent that keeps asking you if you're going to have kids, right? Or are you seeing anybody serious and, and just little, little things like that, or um, where are you going to live? Are you going to move back home? When are you going to move back home? You don't really like it there, do you? So I think that sometimes control can be very obvious. Like these people are trying to get me to do what they want. But then sometimes it's just a little bit more of a, almost like subliminal. Like I keep bringing these things up and it's obvious you want me to do something, but you're not coming out and saying it, right? It's like kind of beating about, beating on the, around the bush. And then if you asked them, they'd be like, what? Me? No. Like you can do whatever you want. <laughs> so well, why I, every time do I see it? You bring that up. <laughs> I think you're giving us like a little peek. Uh, do you want to give us a little bit more peek behind the curtain for your own uh, relationships or family about how control you kind of feel that kind of control you feel in your family or lack of control or <laughs> in and feel free to kind of give <laughs> more more information or less information I guess oh yeah well I mean just like when I moved back here I know like my mom was asking me like oh like when are you gonna have kids and I was like mom I'm only like 25 years old and I'm not even like seeing anybody serious you know that's a long long ways away and so just families that I know are more, you know, grandkids are super important to them. You start to get a lot of that, especially as you get into your 30s. And um, I think, uh, you know, that it's not just my family. I see that with other people, too. And um, and it's uh, just a little bit like if your family wants you to live by them, you know, like go on vacation with them. I mean, it's it's hard because you want to do these things, but at the same token, your you know your schedule or what you need to do doesn't always align with with everybody especially if you have you know a decent size extended family so um you know i've been in relationships before where it was kind of like oh for holidays we have to go see your family on thanksgiving or my family on thanksgiving or your family on christmas and then we end up doing like two thanksgivings and i'm just so full you know that it's driving around all day and so i think that that aspect um you know it's it, I don't know. Do you, have you experienced that where it's kind of like uh, who, whose house are we going to for these holidays or kind of who, who's got the control over your your schedule, especially come those important times? Yeah, I think the way I relate to it is that like with control with families, my my brother and my sister, uh, they like to be in control. They like to kind of plan everything. They're planners. They're type A. I'm a type B kind of person. <laughs> but I still like to have a voice, you know, and like what happens and, and plans like examples would be i remember for a birthday my brother wanted to pick where we went for the birthday for my birthday i'm like <laughs> no you know like um same same, uh, same same person like he he had to like he missed a big birthday of mine one you know one of those uh zeros behind it and mm he had to follow some routine with his family and couldn't, you know, adapt and, you know, <laughs> lose control of, uh, 
you know, that schedule. Um, and my sister too, like she has some of that where like, you know, she has to kind of control everything, you know, so like she's got a daughter and like being able to like, you know, hang out with her, um, hang out with my niece. Like it's, you know, here's the parameters, here's, you know, the time here's, here's, you know, like here's everything that's going to happen. And like, so I think, you know, for some, and I, I have it too, I'm guilty of it as well. You know, like I, uh, I'm thinking back about, um, mostly dating, you know, right. I was like, you know, I wanted to kind of control, uh, where we went, what we did, you know, I wanted to kind of make the plans. Um, I also like was very much in control of like my emotions and like holding back, you know, uh, being kind of detached, you know, with, with how I was expressing myself and not, well, not expressing myself. So I think, you know, control can play a big part where like, um it it does affect affects my you know, my family relationships and 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 in the past definitely dating relationships i think with dating also when i've thought back about relationships that haven't worked i i think in terms of like what if i done this differently or what if i done that differently and thinking about what i could have controlled and some of that too is like you know what it's not maybe it's not about you <laughs> maybe you know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you would have done differently like that that person either wasn't that interested or you know there's so many different variables that um you can't really over analyze about what what you could have done differently and like some of that stuff is just out of your control it's not you know it's not mm -hmm. your it's not your decisions so um yeah that's why i thought today would be good good uh topic for us yeah, and and I think touching on the parenting one, there there is times when you have like an infant that your schedule really has to be pretty tied to like that child. Otherwise, it throws everything off. Like if a baby's not sleeping because you changed your schedule, it, it is pretty like, you know, impactful to your life. But then sometimes it's just like, okay, your kid's like a toddler, your kid's five now, like you can't keep them like an extra hour. So it just seems like, sometimes people are just a little bit too set in their ways. And it's like, this is, you know, they, they're not going to be at this 4th of July party that often, like, can't you make an exception? And I think sometimes, you know, there's gray areas with, with every rule. And, um, you know, one of the things with like discipline and control over your kids is you don't want to like micromanage them. It's really annoying when you're around somebody and they're just like micro controlling their kid. They're like, don't, don't touch that railing. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's just like, you see it with some parents and it's just constant, but then to the other end of the spectrum, it's like your kids like climbing the walls and you have like zero control over them. So it's kind of those pick your battles and type of situation, but it's definitely, I definitely have more to learn about it. And also different kids have different degrees of difficulty, right? My older child is much more of a rule follower. So I didn't really have to learn too much or do too much, you know? And then with my younger child, she is much more, has her own, you know, uh, self, you know, determination of what she wants to do. And that's at odds with what we want her to do a lot. And so that, you know, it's going to take more effort and more learning on our part. Um, so I think that like control with a lot of things in life is you have to have a healthy balance of it and you don't want to be over controlling. Like you mentioned in the notes, like helicopter parenting, you don't want to be all up in their business constantly. Like I know I always want my kids to you know, read more at night, do this and that. And some of the teachers were like, okay, you can, but like also don't make it such a chore where like 
they hate reading, you know? So there's that balance of, yes, you need people to do stuff, but you, you want to use the carrot more than the stick whenever, whenever you can. So I don't know. Have you had that experience in like teaching or anything where it's kind of like, you gotta, I gotta control these kids, but also I don't want to be up in their grill every five minutes. Yeah. I mean, I definitely like, you know, after, you know, like 20, over 20 years, like in education, you know, teaching and I definitely noticed that, uh, especially working with like middle school, high school students that they, they want hands off for the most part. Like they, they want to kind of be left alone. They kind of want their independence. Um, some kids need more structure than other kids. Like you mentioned about your own kids, you know, that some of them are more independent. We're just kind of like hands off and other kids, like they just need a little more structure or goal setting or, um, you know, so, some system in place, you know, for them to be successful and, you want kids as much as possible to have, you know, include their input because that way they're more likely to kind of do something. Um, I was going to ask you about, about your kids about like, um, it sounds like you kind of have, you know, like a different system for the older one versus the younger one. How are you like, as far as like uh, controlling the amount of time spent in front of a screen, you know, how much time they're spent on technology the older one's probably getting closer to like having, having, a, having your own phone, um, choosing their friends. <laughs> like, are you pretty hands off with the friends that they have? Maybe you can have some, you know, some thoughts on that. Yeah. As far, as far as the friends goes, we're, we're almost completely like hands off, except that like we have friends who have kids that are similar age. So we'll set up like play dates with them and stuff, but I mean, they make their own, you know, friends at, at school or whatever, but um, with the screen time is tough because a lot of times you can't get things done with a crazy five-year-old unless you can get them doing something. So if you need to do your chores or whatever, or if she gets up, you know, wait, sometimes way before we're ready to get up, it's kind of like, well, I got to have her watch those Saturday morning cartoons. And some of the stuff I, I've had to just say, you can't watch this. Like she'll watch like YouTube and YouTube kids. And there's things I come across where I'm just like, I, I heard them say like, oh, you know, Sally's an uggo or something. And I was like, wait, what? I was like, no, you're like not watching the show anymore. So, but I'd say in general, we're pretty like laissez-faire parents. Like I'm not, I try to not be super micromanaging. I like people to learn lessons for themselves, but you have to like draw the line somewhere. So um, I think, uh, and then I think as far as just like, I don't know if you like, if you sign up for something, like I like the kids to make their own decisions, but once they commit to something, then you have to kind of stick with it. So it's just kind of like Cora, you know, said she wanted to do dance. We got her involved in this like pretty serious, like competitive dance now. And a lot of times she'll be like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I just want to play. And it's like, no, like we signed up for this. Like I didn't, nobody said you had to do dance, but now that you said that you want to do dance, you like have to honor that commitment. Right. So I'm not just going to let you now, if you're sick or something, that's different, but you can't just not go because you don't feel like it. And so that's been the same with both of our kids. If they kind of commit to something, it's like, oh, no, we're going to do this to the end of the session. Now, if you don't want to play soccer the next session or you you know want to take a pause on swimming lessons, that's fine. But we're just not, not going to go with how you feel from moment to moment. Otherwise, it's kind of like the, the inmates start running the asylum, right? There's got to be some kind of like direction. And a lot of these things cost a lot of money. And it's just like, you know... Um, want to have them do it but I think that a lot of when they don't want to go or they you know when they want to eat what they want to eat it is a lot about control especially toddlers and younger kids like ages two to six 
that time is all about like control and getting your attention and like your their your attention like on their terms or whatever you know so it's um it's tricky it's it's a tricky thing to balance and i think there's a reason why people call it you know the terrible twos and i think actually with aria the the age 3 was even worse but for her it was just kind of one year and it went away but i think all kids um go through that phase where they're just like no is their favorite word and they probably say it like a hundred times a day you know and kind of just always look in this see what they can get away get away with so um you know it's nothing new but uh i think you can't you can't overreact which is hard sometimes you can't get too emotional with it you just have to kind of stand your ground and have an even keel about it but i mean i'll, I'll negotiate with them like you know a lot of people are kind of like I'll, I'll you know if i really we got to go someplace i'll i'll try to bribe them with stuff i mean we tried the other day my, we went to go get a flu shot and my kids were really scared of the shots and i was like I'll buy you a toy after da da da, and it just to, like get through it. And uh, they still wouldn't do it, so we just ended up scheduling the flu missed the nasal shot or whatever. So we'll see how that goes. But like you know, I'm not above bribing them on occasion when you have to. But um, you know, I I don't know if I would consider that trying to control them, but trying to to use the carrot right instead of the I'm gonna hold you down and you're gonna take the shot. So I don't know. And none of us always make the right decisions, but try to do the best you can and learn from it to the next, the next thing, you know? Yeah. I, th I think, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's probably the way to go. Is it like, you know, having that flu vaccine is, is a priority and, and um, you got to do what you got to do. I think as a parent to like make that happen. Um, you know, I was thinking about as a kid, um, I didn't feel like I had a lot of control. Like, um, like I remember uh, when I wanted to use the car to drive, you know, and go and do something, even to like to go to work. I worked at like a movie theater and and my dad would have me like wash and wax the car every time I wanted to like use it. And like, you know, just yeah, something... that seems like a lot of work for one one trip. I know. It seemed just kind of an unreasonable expectation. And so um and I yeah, I just didn't feel like, you know, I had a lot of voice on on what I could do and I just felt like I didn't have a lot of control growing up. And so I think you know, that played a part later on where, um, whether it's at work or, um, in relationships. And like, I think I was overcompensating for that, you know, that time as a kid. Um, we talked a little bit about like work and, and control. And, and I think you said before about like, not wanting to micromanage people and not yeah. micromanage. You want to say more about that? Yeah, like I didn't even realize that I was doing it, but as I as I moved up from manager to director and I saw how my boss who's a senior director kind of treats me and gives me the parameters of a plan and really lets me execute it however I want. A lot of the leadership classes that I've taken at work over the last couple of years have really shined a light on me that I will micromanage people sometimes and I didn't really realize it. I'm giving them all the tasks to do in a project and not and really what it's doing is it's quelling their creativity and it's not making them enjoy work as much. And I didn't really realize that. So now I'm trying to be a lot better about this is the expectation. Like I need um, an, effic an efficiency project from you that's going to save resources or the X amount of dollars. But like in the past, I would have just given people like really specific ideas. Like, why don't you try to see if we can save on freight? Or like, I heard that da 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 da. And now I'm just like, nope, like these folks are managers. Like, if they if they come to you with questions, that's fine to like provide provide guidance or give suggestions. But if they didn't come to you with anything, you gotta let them kind of 
not sink or swim on their own, but they you you don't want to sap the creative juices by trying to, to, to direct people. And I've definitely been work. That's something I've been working on over the last year to eighteen months. So I think it's it's a it's a quality of good management, good leadership. Have you noticed like a difference in um, the relationship between you and your uh, employees like that change, that shift? Are you seeing a difference since you've made that shift? Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that they know that I have a lot of faith in them. Um, we had one uh, person who was a little bit more of a new hire and um, I definitely have been more like hands off, I think lately than I was in the beginning. And, and some of that's just kind of like, you need training when, when a job is new, but I think that folks will surprise you and they'll be more willing to go above and beyond if they found the things themselves instead of you always calling it out. You know, it's good to give people a general direction, the goals, the timeline. You don't want to just let people go with, with no tools to be successful. But if you really micromanage them like that, it's not good for morale and it's really bad for creativity. And um, and sometimes you just you just don't realize you're doing it until you've looked back at the email and you were like, Oh my God, I wrote out exactly everything I wanted you to say. Like, I, I don't want you just to be a parrot for me. Like you're, I want you to bring to the table this added value. You're the one that's closest to it. Like you just don't want to stop, stamp that creativity out of people. And I, and I've definitely been in positions in other parts of my career that were like that. You had to do exactly what the boss wanted to the T you had to abbreviate things like they wanted, you know, and it's really, I don't think it's good for, for like a growth mindset personally. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think that like, it just sucks. The creativity sucks the life out of, um, you know, you're um, like, I've been on both ends of that where I've, you know, been the employee where, I, you know, I've had administration suck the life out of me or it's like, you know, didn't feel um, empowered to like do the job, you know, like with teaching, especially you have to have, you know, you have to have that joy, you have to have that emotional balance so that you can like, you know, be there for students. And so when that's taken away, you know, it's so hard to show up and to like, feel, you know, supported, feel like I, you know, like I'm, I'm doing my job and you're going to be there if I need you, but not like all the time, just looking over my shoulder. And then, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, you know, being a teacher, you know, I've, I've looked back and um, realized that, yeah, I, I, it, as a coach too, I was a you know, tennis coach for a long time and, and realized that, you know, that some things you kind of have to pick your battles, like, you know, and, and you can't, you can't try to um, stay, stay on top of everything. And I think, you know, people, young people, especially that I've that experienced, like, I think they appreciate that when you're when you're a little bit more hands off with them and, and just kind of let them be and, and you know, be there for them when they need it. Um, and like you said, with your kids that like some people need a little bit more support and they want that feedback and they want, you know, but other other, you know, other people, young people like they um, they don't want that. They're pretty independent and they don't you know really want a whole lot of of, of hovering or management like, yeah. This. Let, let me, let well, me be, let me do my thing. Well, it's, it's just a fact that like control and like discipline and like following a set structure kills creativity, right? Like I, I just list, read this article recently that was like, there was this test to see how many people were like creative geniuses or whatever. And I can't remember what country they did it in, but basically with like 
kindergartners or like preschoolers, this creativity score was super high. And every year the kids were in school, the creativity score goes down because this like capitalist environment that pushes people to kind of be like cogs that solve problems and just like create productivity and have to do things in a certain way, color within the lines and all of that, it, it does kill creativity. I mean, there's there's a reason why like kids are so much better, like just creative writers and stuff than like adults are because you've 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 stomped that creativity out of people over you know 20 years of being in school and 20 years of working people want you to do oh yeah be creative but in this little tiny tunnel of like manufacturing sales you know whatever so i mean there there definitely is something for that letting kids they like a lot of studies have shown recently, like having that play time, having free play when kids are younger is really good for, for everything with their brain development for the future. And so, um, like I know a lot of studies have shown that actually homework, especially in younger kids is not beneficial. Right. Um, so, so anyways, um, I think that, uh, for me, I grew up pretty like hands off, just like a little laissez faire. And I think in the younger ages, especially when it comes to school, that can be that can be good unless there's a particular like condition or whatever. But um, I don't know. I, I guess for me, it depends on the child a lot. If people, some people are more self motivated, and some people need a little bit more guidance than others. So it's you know nothing's black and white. It's a case by case basis for for everybody and for everything. But I think my general reaction is more towards almost the let people fail and like let people do what they're going to do. And then if there's an issue, instead of constantly telling people what they should or shouldn't be doing, my, my default is more, what is, what's that person's free will? Like, what do they want to do? Even if they're a kid, you know, what, what do you like? Do you want to play the piano? Do you like art? You know, rather than me being like, like, I love soccer. If I had my druthers, I would push my kids into playing soccer. And they're just like, we don't really want to play soccer. We want to do dance, and gymnastics or whatever. And so like their, their vote is more important than my vote because they're the ones that are doing it. Right. So I think, uh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's a balance, but I, I, I tend more towards let people have that freedom, you know, let, let, let people have, uh, what's it locus of control over their own lives. And if, if that's at the, risk of my kids being a little bit less disciplined, then I'm, I'm willing to pay that trade off as long as they're not like carjacking people. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I like, I, the thing that really stuck with me when you're talking about that is that like, you know, like you said, soccer is, you know, important to you and you wish maybe that your kids <laughs> were more into that. But again, it goes back to like what, what you want versus what they want. And, you know, forcing them to like you know hammering them like you're gonna play soccer i don't care what you want <laughs> you know like that's gonna be your life this is a soccer yeah. family <laughs> i know i know dad um, played football varsity yeah. i know so like yeah it's probably it's probably a healthy thing to like to recognize what they actually want you know what they're interested in and try to like you know um nourish that or encourage whatever you know they kind of um connect with we have, at least with the Zoom, um, about seven and a half minutes left. Um, is there one topic that we kind of have covered or haven't covered yet that you want to focus on? 
Well, just really briefly on like self-control and um, it's just kind of like, there's important things that have self-control, but also some things are like medical conditions that need to be like checked out, you know? And, and so there's kind of a balance between like, yes, it's good to have some self-control. Sometimes I need to get help, take a medication, but then also on top of that, I have to still do the thing. So like I have high cholesterol, it's largely hereditary. I've said it since my early twenties. So I take a medicine, but I also need to eat right. So it, there's twofold, right? So it's, it's, it's very rarely, is it ever just black or white? It's, it's shades of gray, right? People can have addiction, but they can also do things to learn about that and to get out of it. And once you're educated on it, then there is some, some self-control that comes back into the equation. So that, you know, there's a lot of gray areas with these things, but, um, it, you know, I think, uh, there's a couple a few good ones on here of the societal control kind of with the police and government. Um, the benefits of letting go of control. I mean, people love amusement parks and all sorts of, uh, you know, crazy adrenaline activity is to kind of let go of that control. Um, I don't know, kind of that our sports jinx uh, or, you know, what is actually in your control. Um, I don't know. We, we might have to do a part two of this because I think there's a lot of good things left. But um, I don't know. I guess the the big one with what happened to you recently that we kind of touched on in the beginning is just with your control in society. I guess you always felt safe in Minneapolis, but how safe are we really? And with the police and government, I don't know with five, six minutes, if you can, do you have any feeling of loss of control from that situation? Um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, uh, no, so I I, uh, I was assaulted about a month ago outside of my apartment in, in my uh, parking lot, apartment parking lot. And so um was jumped and the guys who did it said they had a gun um got hit a couple times in the face had a couple facial fractures went to the hospital uh they they also they took my phone and my wallet and my uh, my computer and then i had surgery um a couple weeks after that and still recovering from that surgery and since then you know that topic of control like i've thought a lot about what if I had done something different that night, like, you know, what if I had driven my car uh, that night instead of riding my bike back to my apartment? What if, you know, I, what if I fought back? What if I had, um, I don't know, like ran away? What if, you know, if I did something different, then maybe it would have changed the outcome. You know, maybe something would have happened differently. And so I've, I've thought about that. Maybe, and that's the reason is like, maybe I thought, you know, by thinking this way that maybe I, I had or would have had more control than, than maybe I, I did. And, and then there are times where I'm like, you know what, there's nothing I could have done, you know, like, um, you know, if they didn't even if a you were a, even if you were a jujitsu champion and, uh, you know, three big guys ambush you, you know, there's still, you know, maybe, maybe you get the first guy, but when it's three people, like there's, there's probably not much you could have done, you know, really. Um, and let's say, let's say you were armed and you ended up firing at these guys and you end up, you know, killing an attacker, then, then there's a whole other set of issues. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's, it's, it, there's largely never just like a, um, oh, this would have been the, the perfect outcome if I would have just done this and that. There's always like unintended consequences, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it definitely, you know, I could have escalated the situation. Things could have gotten worse. You know, I, I decided to move out of Minneapolis. So I'm moving in a couple of weeks out of Minneapolis to the suburbs. And, and then maybe that's more of that 
control where like I feel like if I'm in the suburbs, there's there's more control there, there's more safety there. Um and but I think that is kind of a fact on like a statistical level. I mean, a lot there is quite a few suburbs that and and, and people can kind of overblow some of the the crime statistics in Minneapolis and this and that, but like I mean, there is it's not just control i mean there is factual evidence that like backs that up i think i sent you like a map of like violent crime by like county so i mean it's not there's always going to be some level of risk but like some you can mitigate the risk right and like that's just a fact yeah so i mean i think yeah making that move probably reduces the risk of like being assaulted again you know especially like near where i live um and I don't know, like, there's part of me that, like, doesn't want to, you know, like, like, fuck, fuck them, you know, like, I'm not going to get You're, you're letting, the, you're letting the, you're letting the terrorists win, kind letting of, right, because win, they, yeah. they moved you out of the city you love, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, so part of me is just like, no, I'm not leaving, but the other part of me is like, yeah, probably maybe since I have a couple of bikes stolen in Minneapolis and now I've been assaulted and robbed that, like, maybe it's time to move out of here, um, but it does it does feel like you know I've kind of gained back that control by making a move by um, you know kind of re like I got a phone again I got a computer again kind of like starting over and kind of re um, I don't know gaining back what I had before so I think we have a couple of minutes maybe we might stop here pause here and come back for maybe a little bit more yeah right? let's do let's yeah let's do that because we're we're a little bit short on the episode so why don't we break here. I'll put a little interlude music in and then we'll try to re-go because uh, I'm playing disc golf at 1.30, but it's just right here in Chan. So I've got a little bit of time if you do. Yeah, no problem. Okay. So you chokers, who them boys that be having a crunk every occasion. This side niggas dust and that side niggas lacing. But in the middle, we stay calm, we just drop bombs. Asking where we come from, South Coast Long. Just two dope boys in a Cadillac. Just two dope boys hey, we're right back at you from the break here, and uh, just have a, a few topics left um, on our control uh, issue today. Um, I think the first one that I want to touch on is um, just kind of the religious and like karma aspects of control, like how much of your life is predetermined, out of your control. This is kind of God's will, or this is what you know was predestined to happen. And, uh, and how much of it is, you know, what people do. So the choices we make. Um, I, I think a lot of it is, as far as karma goes, is that people who put like bad things out into the world just are unlikely for like good things to come back to them. Just because also we live in like a society where like oftentimes positive things are rewarded. And so like people want to do stuff for nice people. And so a lot of times people be like, oh, well, that person keeps getting lucky or that person always has bad things to them but also like you, you sometimes you get what you put into the world now some sometimes people are just unlucky but i think that you know it's 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 a bit of both but there's a reason why certain people jobs or certain people keep getting this is cuz people want to work with them people want to help them out right so the, you know and, and there's there's scammers out there and there's things that kind of cloud this system but i think there is something to karma but i don't think it's this like ethereal thing that's just like flying through the wind that just touches you i think it's because we live in a you know a group society where we rely on each other for everything and people want to help people that they gravitate towards right so 
um, you know, we were, we were able to put out that GoFundMe for you because a lot of people know you and you're a super nice guy and they know me and I, you know, I'm vouching for you and, and you're putting, you put good, good things out into the world for a long time and people want to help you. Now, if there was just this jack wagon that everybody knows is the biggest asshole ever, yeah, we probably would have still gotten some money in, but I don't know if they would have, you know, blown past the goal like that. So I think there is a little bit of just karma's real, but also it's because it helps society to reinforce behaviors we like. You yeah, think that's I, fair? Uh, well, or am I attributing too much? <laughs> I mean, I I appreciate the the one that you said that GoFundMe. Two, I appreciate you saying that you know, that maybe I'm a good guy and that maybe there's some uh, karma that, you know, led to like people helping out. Um, I don't know. I, I sometimes think that, you know, life is just random that like, you know, that there isn't really, karma isn't a real thing. And that, you know, that people do, do bad things, like <laughs> that there isn't really, you know, that they're not going to be held accountable for that. That like, you know, things aren't going to like, either go their way or not go their way. Same thing if like you're a, you know, you know, if you're doing good things in the world, like Mother Teresa, you know, like did she have, you know, added karma because of all the good things she did for people? I, I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, and she lived a long time. She did, she did. Um, but, you know, like um, you think about, you know, things that have happened for people, whether they're, you know miracles or tragic things you know i don't know if like how they led their lives really affected um the things that happened to them like based on how they lived their life you know did it lead to positive or negative things i, I don't think so i think it's it's a lot of just randomness that happens and some people you know they they maybe they got some luck but i don't know if they you know necessarily earned that luck i think it's again just like a random thing you know going back to how we <laughs> used to hang out with with playing poker that like you know some people tend to like run run good and and have a lot of luck but i don't think it's based on you know them in particular like i don't think they they necessarily earned that luck or didn't earn that luck so I, I definitely think you can, a lot of life is luck. You're in the right place at the right time. You're at a company that's going through a huge growth cycle. I mean, I know all these people that made a ton of money when Target was first coming up. Were they all great salespeople? No, they just were working at Target or Best Buy when those became billion dollar companies, right? So there's an aspect of life that certainly is being in the right place in the right time. My grandpa used to say that all the time, that that was the key to life was kind of being at the right place at the right time. But I think there is something to putting positivity out there, or if you're like a big risk taker, then there's going to be negative things that are more likely to happen to you, right? You find somebody, oh, they got into a car accident. Well, I know for a fact that person speeds all the time. Oh, that person got in a hiking accident. Well, they're always doing these, you know, adrenaline junkie sports. So sometimes they, oh, that's such bad luck. Well, yeah, but you know, that person wasn't using the best equipment and they had been out there when it was wet out. Like sometimes you're, you're making your own good or bad luck, but there definitely is an aspect of it that is just tragic things happen and there's no reason and there's nothing you could have done to avoid it. But I think sometimes people will say, oh, that person, oh, they're so unlucky or whatever, but it's kind of like, well, okay, but what are they doing to put themselves into a position to, to not be unlucky, right? If you keep getting laid off and people are saying, well, we don't think you have a advanced enough degree is why and you don't go back to get your master's or whatever then are you being unlucky or are you just not doing what 
people told you you should do to get the job you want. You know what I mean? So I think there's there's a piece that's in our control and then there's a piece that's that's not, right? Um, yeah. You can choose, oftentimes nowadays with remote work, you can choose where you live. You can choose a lot of who your friends are. You know, you can choose, there, there's definitely things in life that will change the route that your life is going, right? You're not just a, um, a little, you know, piece of uh, straw that's blowing in the wind that's, you know, at the whims of what's going on. I mean, we definitely have some locus of control, right? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that like, you know, um, going back to the assault that like, I, I didn't want to play a victim or, you know, play that victim card and be like, you know, woe is me, you know, I can't catch a break. Why did this happen to me? Um, um, you know, I wanted to, you know, touch on like, you know, religion and how like, you know, in this, in those situations that, you know, people will turn to their God and, and like, you know, pray about, you know, things that pray to be healed, pray for safety. Um, and, you know, um, I think religion gives people that sense of control. You know, people are like, okay, so if I follow, you know, this religion and maybe this will help me to get to where I want to go in life and in the afterlife, you know, mm -hmm. um, and I think that that plays a big part in, pe in some people's lives that like, you know, they, they want to have um, that sense of uh security i guess that like yeah. you know that there's a that, reason for everything right everything happens for a reason yeah that can turn to a higher power you know that like if things aren't in my control maybe i can turn to something that's bigger than me and whatever that religion is for them and 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 also that that fear of death that like i i can't control this fear of death i don't know what to do well maybe there's a religion that helps you kind of ease that discomfort or ease that fear um, and I think that's why people turn to religion is that it gives them a sense of, uh, you know, comfort and security about life and and maybe life after death as well. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I find it um, just kind of difficult when, you know, I think it helps people out a lot when they're grieving, if there's some sort of sense of, you know, they're going to a better place or everything happens for a reason. And, and I understand that. Um, but also I think sometimes like, it can go, it can cut both ways where there's some tragedy and they're like, well, there's, there's gotta be a reason for it. And then it's kind of like, well, but then oftentimes they say, it's just like, well, that was humans that did that. Right. And it's like, well, if God is, you know, all powerful or this and that, and there's a reason for everything, we just couldn't know what had happened, but then they'll say, well, no, that wasn't God. It's, it's people that caused this war crime or whatever. And so it's kind of like, well, is God in control of what people do then? And so I don't know. I mean, or maybe it's something in between. I know I heard somebody speak one time and they said like, they feel like God just can't control what they do, but then kind of gives you a little bit of a bump in the right direction if you're following the path. So I don't know. You can go back to like ancient philosophy. I think some of the philosophers that like I kind of would say I agree more towards is that maybe if there are like gods, they just don't have control over what the people can and can't do right so if the, but i wouldn't call them gods i would call it more of like a universal energy or something like that but if there is like a force to tap into like you know some sort of like whatever force of of good or force of life or whatever it can't it can't control what you're doing but it might be able to give you just a little bit of extra oomph to to get you back on your feet or whatever right and and, and i know people talk about miracles all the time that happen to them and and i'm not i'm not here to discount that I just, I don't like personally the phrase, like everything happens for a reason. And 
you know, that this child got, got cancer. Well, we could never know the reason sometimes just like bad things happen to people. And there is no, there's no, you know, there's no, there's no philosophizing about it. That's going to make it better. It just, it is what it is. It's just part of the human condition. Yeah. There's definitely like, to, to your point, like there's some inconsistencies with how people, you know, how people use religion, how people like, you know, say God's will for some things and not for other things. Like we were joking about sports, about how God wanted <laughs> a certain team to win. You yeah. know, like God, you know, wants the Vikings to win on Monday. Uh, but God hates the Vikings. Why is he a Vikings fan and not a, a 49ers fan? Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, to, teams praying before games and people always giving to praise to God after games. I, I get it. They're saying more like, thanking God for like the talents that their God given talents they were given and whatnot. And, and I understand that, but I do find it very crazy when people like, you know, um, talk about God in that kind of context of wanting to like win a game or whatever. Um, and I know a lot of times they're praying to not get hurt in a violent game, like football or whatever. So, you know, I get it. I just, I think it, um, religion and sports, I don't think is a good, a good combination, um, personally. So do you have any, you know, I, I put in there about sports jinxes and like, you know, um, about how like, you know, if you do something different, you know, like the Red Sox had, you know, they, add, you know <laughs> reverse they, the curse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reverse the curse. And they felt like, you know, if they do certain things, you know, maybe they could change the course of, of their, you know, fates or whatever. Do you have your own, any personal you know, things that you do, whether it's like watching the United or watching the Vikings or anything that like you feel like you gives you maybe a sense of control of maybe yeah. it might, might help them to win a game or. Yeah, no, I, I used to be more like that when I was when I was younger, I was more superstitious, even up to maybe like five years ago. I would think like, no, I wore this like Vikings jersey last week and they lost like this week. I'm going to wear like the long sleeve. But as I've gotten like into my 40s now. I've given up on a lot of superstition and I've actually like given up a lot of that. I have control over anything like with a lot of fantasy football, I would like live or die by my fantasy football team. And now I'm just like a lot of it's luck. Like you were saying, you can pay attention to stuff. You can do things that maybe will give you a couple points advantage, but just like with poker, like even if you're the greatest poker poker player, you're getting your hand in there with what, 55 45 52 48 like even the best poker players get themselves in a hit ahead slightly and then it's just all luck right and any given night the worst poker player in the whole world if he was just a card rack that night he could beat like the greatest player in the world i mean there's just some sports and some games just have an aspect of luck to them and i think games that are fun it's often a mix of skill and luck if it's just purely a skill game then oftentimes you have to play somebody who's on the same level as you or handicap with you. It's not that fun to play Scrabble against somebody who's got like 10 times better of vocabulary than you do, right? You want to play somebody who's similar. Otherwise it won't be that fun in the same vein. I think, um, you know, um, what were we talking about again? I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you, lo you lost control of your thoughts. Um, yes, I did. I did. Uh, maybe we should wrap it up. I want to, I want to throw in because, um, a couple, a couple examples that that made me think of sports jinxes. One is my oh superstition. Sorry, I'm not uh, as yeah. superstitious anymore. I realize that anything I do is not controlling anything, and I I'm not you know I'm not superstitious or justitious. I think I finally have realized that I'm not 
a part of everything and that what I do has little impact on anyone outside of the direct people that, you know, come into contact with me. So I definitely have gotten a lot better about sports and not letting sports bug me and not thinking, oh, I wore these socks last week and that's why I scored a goal. It creeps in every once in a while, but I think I try to rationalize it with, well, maybe this shirt's just more comfortable and that's why I I scored or whatever. But I'm, I'm a lot less superstitious, which I think is kind of a sign of maturity, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good to probably like go of those things. I was gonna add that like I remember when I was playing fantasy football, my brother was playing fantasy football, and like we were watching a game. This is back when uh, Ladamian Tom Tomlinson was playing LT, uh, one of the LTs in in football history. And I remember like he was having a bad first half, um, and my brother was playing against him. And I pointed out, you know, hey, this is going great for you. Like LT is not, you know, not putting up yards, not putting out, getting touchdowns. And then once you know, in the second half, he went off for like four touchdowns, like, I don't know, 150, 200 yards. My brother was just like, so pissed. And I'm like, he he really, and I don't know if he's changed or not, but he he's, you know, he really thought that there was something to that, that you don't, you don't talk about these things because otherwise you can change the course. Don't jinx it, right? Yeah. Yeah, like hear about this in baseball where like someone's got a perfect game going. Yeah. And like you don't talk to that pitcher, you just let him be. And 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 I I just I don't I don't believe in that stuff. I, I don't think I I maybe when I was younger I believe in that stuff. But yeah. now I, I just don't well I think it's something like if you're directly there, like if you're his teammate and you know the guy likes is like fully concentrated and you like don't want to like bother him while he's in the zone then I could see like, okay, yeah, like, don't, don't like, don't talk to whatever Scott Erickson right now. He's like, he's in the zone when he's going like this, just let him be like, but if you're like at home and you have like no influence on the game whatsoever, then it's just being like, you know, superstitious or whatever. Like I, um, I see here, the one I was thinking of from earlier is it was Steve Johnson that said that God made him drop the, the ball in the end zone or whatever for the, the Buffalo bills. So we were just kind of commenting on, you know, people always thank God and, you know, God giving them talents and God allowed them to do this and that today. But nobody, when things go bad, says, um, God kind of screwed me today. You know, like, why did he make my hands like, you know, rocks or whatever. And, but there was a player one time that said, uh, yeah, God, God made me drop it or whatever. So I just thought that was, that was funny. Cause, Cause why does he get all the credit him or her, if he doesn't, you know, get the blame or whatever. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think, uh, good. yeah. I, I think a big portion of life is this, you know, determinalism versus free will. Like how much can you change your lot in life and how, and sometimes things are just going to happen to you. And, and, I, and I think it is, I think it is a blend, but I think having the right mindset can help you not dwell on things that don't go your way as much. You know, you just say, Hey, shit happens. That was out of my control. Move on to the next, move on to the next thing. And don't get stuck in that rut of, well, why did my basement flood? Like, why me? I could have done this, that, and the other thing. So I think just having that that future mindset of, well, I learned from this. I'm going to do something different next time. But like, that was out of my control. I think it's really good for the mental health to have more of that. Um, I mean, you want to be in the present too and enjoy the present, but just like not to dwell on the past, only to think about the past if it's something positive or to something to learn from. But I think a lot of people can get in trouble kind of um, just dwell, dwelling too much and 
and it's that you know you can't control everything and um and it can be frustrating but you don't want to let it things in the past impact what you're going to do in the future because then that thing had control of you longer than it should have right so what is your breakdown what do you think what is your determination versus uh versus fate do you have a percentage yeah i think i i think it's more than 50 50 i feel like people's free will is more like 75 25 for me or maybe like 70 30 i think okay. i think some some shit just happens but i think people who are really you know strut and some things some things can happen to you that are so bad that they're going to take you off that course right you get uh meningitis so you become paralyzed you know paralyzed something terrible happens to you 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 might not be able to fulfill that you know course that life was going to have for you there's definitely but i think like kind of this the tupac like rose that rose that growth grew from the concrete type of situation if you're like a super achiever and you're doing all the things you can be put in some pretty bad circumstances and come out of them so i think it's a little bit more than 50 50 i think a lot of it a lot of it is winning just like the birth lottery i'm talking about people that are like in america i think you know a lot of folks that are born into just like abject poverty or something of that level you know that that's a different that's a different story but i think with kind of the kind of at least the working class and up in america is what i could maybe speak to and you know lower middle class and above it's kind of a lot of what you put into life you can you can extract from i think um if you don't have one of those qualifying major events that really would would cripple anyone and unfortunately in this country with uh the medical lack of you know the high the high in medical costs that can really um put you in debt for the rest of your life you know if something goes bad enough so um i don't know how, how about you what do you what do you think uh i, I think how much of life is fate no i think i'm with you i think that you know there's a lot of self-determination i think you know you can as far as like controlling your how you feel um you know controlling um, how you see the world, your attitude, um, um, I, you know, as far as you yeah, have fate, I definitely agree that some people are just kind of born in, in different situations where like that's out of their control. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, there's this idea of, you know, with fate is like, you know, I was like with relationships, going back to relationships that like, you know, we were meant to be together. And it was like fate. Like, <laughs> Everybody meets their know. soulmate at like their high school or their college. <laughs> yeah. Out of like 340 million people in the United States. Yeah. So I, I don't know, if, you know, if there's fate involved in that. I don't know, maybe, you know, with you could maybe touch that, touch on that with you and your wife, if like that was fate. Um, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of people are, can be compatible in the right situations. And I think that, um, there definitely like is a spark with people, like people get put in a situation that might've been fortuitous for them. Like I met my wife through a friend who went out for like a party, you know, had I, had I not met, had I not gone to that St. Patrick's Day party, I wouldn't have met her. So like, is it fate that I went to that party? Well, also I was kind of a party person. I went to a lot of parties. So chances were high that eventually I was going to meet somebody, you know, it was great that it happened to be her and that worked out, but like you know is there other partners in america that i would be reasonably like compatible with probably likely right and so i think that um there's there's some luck involved though i've been on a lot of bad dates too you have to 
you know, you have to put yourself in a position to meet people, but then there's a factor of luck that there might just not be a lot of people in your small town or in your area that, that you're compatible with, you know? So I don't think, I don't think anything is that black and white, but no, I don't, I think the idea of like, there's one person out of 7.5 billion people that are just like, oh no, I hope my soulmate wasn't born in like Mongolia. It was going to be tough for me to find her on uh, my bicycle as I drive through the Himalayas or whatever. And I'm probably off a couple of countries there, but. Um, That's all right. Close enough. Like Nepal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe. Is your, is your soulmate out there, Johnny O? <laughs> maybe through the show. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have you to know, come back and revise our 7525. That, that like maybe this was uh, <laughs> meant know, to be. It was meant to be. Something, uh, might happen, something might happen from this. Okay, uh, that's, that's that's the perfect close, I think, right there. Thank you, sir. All right, well, you send me these two files and uh, I'll work my, my editing magic. Just two dope boys in a Cadillac.